I'm about to teach you a cold, hard lesson about goats. This world is a strange one. The goat has often been a symbol for Satan himself. You often find depictions of Satan as a goat man. But nowadays, more and more people are claiming to have seen a half man, half goat creature in the woods. Could it be the devil incarnate or something just as sinister? Well, these allegedly true stories will give us a sneak peek of the terror of the goat man. But first, you should go to deathbyfear.com slash do something to take a look at our upcoming app or to send us your own choose your own adventure scary story that we might just put in the app. Also, I'm looking for scary stories from Alaska. If you've got one, send it to us at deathbyfear.com. Thank you. Now, I may have milked a goat before, but apparently there are far more disturbing goat things out there. Hmm, goat things. Number one, Goatman in Tennessee. Submitted by Magnus H. This happened three years ago. I live out in the country in the middle of Tennessee. Before I get started, let me debunk the comments that I know will be said. One, there are no bears or similar sized animals in middle Tennessee. There are black bears in East Tennessee and in the Smoky Mountains, but that's about it. Two, I do drink beer, but I'm not a heavy drinker, nor was I drunk during this. By the time of this event, I'd been pot-free for two years, and I've never touched anything heavier. So at my house in the countryside, there's a lot of woods and very few neighbors. Few and far between. The place is gorgeous. We had my house, the shop, which I shared with my dad. This shop had two sides. My side had blacksmithing tools, an anvil and a forge. And my dad's side had woodworking tools for building guitars. And besides that, we also had a small garden. The day this occurred, my sister, who is 12, is in the house practicing her guitar. While my dad is working on making a guitar, I was in my part of the shop, blacksmithing, and my stepmom is working in the garden. I went outside to cool off, as blacksmithing shops can get very, very hot fast because of the forge. I looked in the direction of the edge of the woods when I saw a goat's head poking out of the tree line. I thought one of my neighbor's goats escaped its pin, so I went to the goat to try and return it to the neighbor. I start walking, and I get about 10 feet away when the goat simply turns and runs back into those woods. I say to myself, whatever, and think nothing more of it. So after cooling down, I go back to my shop. I turn off the forge and equipment to go inside to play some video games. Before I know it, dinner time rolls around, and while we're eating, I mention the goat I saw to my dad, and my dad tells me it was a wild goat because our neighbor didn't have a goat that looked like that. You see, the one I saw had light brown fur and a black diamond tuft shape of fur on its head between its eyes. As we are talking, we begin to hear footsteps on the back porch, pacing back and forth. My dad goes to the back door with a gun, but he sees no one. He sits back down at the table, 
only for the footsteps to start up again. My dad is angry now and he goes back with his gun and again, he sees nothing. So agitated, he sits back down. This time, whoever was out there, they ring the doorbell. Immediately, my dad tells me to text my friend Ryan. Ryan was a guy who liked to joke around. My dad says, text Ryan and tell him to cut that crap out. I'm this close to running out that door and beating the living crap out of him. Apparently, he thought it was Ryan, and I was hoping he was right. Ryan replies, saying that at the moment he's down in Florida with family. I tell my dad Ryan's response. My dad goes and locks the back door, keeping an eye out through the windows. Everyone's staying up late far later than usual, and though it's quiet, we all have this feeling of fear and dread within us. Soon, everyone passes out in the living room, but I'm the only one left awake. To be completely honest, I was a bit too creeped out to go to sleep. All of a sudden, while I'm sitting there, I hear something outside. This time, it's not footsteps. It sounds like a scream, like a mix between a guttural deer call and a goat's bleeding. I get up to tell my dad what I just heard, but he's already up and at attention by the time I get to him. My dad had heard the same thing. With his rifle in hand, he grabs a shotgun for me and hands it to me. We go outside to investigate. We don't even get off the back porch before we see it. The thing was eight feet tall, had a human shape, but its legs were all bent at weird angles and it had hooves for feet. All over it, it had long matted fur. But what scared me the most was a small detail. This creature, it had the same black tuft of fur in a diamond shape between its eyes. It looked the same as the goat I saw just before. What was terrifying was what it had in its right hand. It carried a hand axe. I recognized the axe as one I made of Damascus steel. That thing had been in my blacksmithing shop. In its left hand was the body of a young boy who looked no older than eight years old. This goat creature was holding him by the neck. The boy had blood all over him. Me and my dad kept our guns aimed on it. It stomped threateningly in our direction to intimidate us, but as soon as it did, my dad fired his rifle, hitting the thing in the chest. I also fire my shotgun as soon as I do. I see pieces of its horns chip off like dust, but the thing is still standing. It simply turned and ran off into the night, sadly, with the bloodied boy in his hands, and it still had my axe. I fell to my knees on our porch, in total disbelief of what we just did, of what we saw. I've heard the strange sightings of things in the woods. I've heard the ghost stories, but nothing prepared me for this, this satanic twist on some freaking fairy tale. That night changed how I viewed the world. I used to think life was peaceful and even boring sometimes, but now I know there really are monsters. The next morning comes and I didn't get a wink of sleep. My dad soon sees something on the local news we'll never forget a missing child report, 
The missing child was the body in the creature's hands the night before. It was our neighbor's nephew. Me and my dad never told anyone about what we saw, and we haven't seen that thing since. But I'm sharing this with you now, telling this story that might make me sound like a nutcase, because all of you need to know that this thing is still out there, and it probably isn't the only one. So please, keep a safe eye on your kids, especially when they play near the woods. Number two, Goatman's Bridge, submitted by Christian. In June of 2016, me and a couple of friends of mine were trying to think of something exciting to do. We were all 19-year-old college students, and being back in our boring town away from all the parties wasn't exactly exciting. So one of my friends, let's call him James, pitched the idea of going to the Goatman's Bridge later that night. I instantly agreed. Our other friend though, let's call him Dave, was very hesitant at first, but eventually agreed. If you grew up in the Dallas area, you've probably heard of or have been to the Old Alton Bridge, otherwise known as the Goatman's Bridge. It's a relatively small and old bridge in Corinth, Texas, you can Google or even look up the bridge on YouTube and find some pretty creepy stuff about it. And the story on how it got the name Goatman's Bridge is creepy in and of itself. Back in the early 20th century, there was a local goat farmer named Oscar, but he was actually really successful at it, so life was good for him. The only problem is that he was African-American and the local chapter of the KKK did not like that at all. So one day, they kidnapped and took him to the old Alton Bridge, tied him in a noose, and threw him over the side. The only thing was, when they peered over to look at the body, all they saw was an empty noose. Of course, they got spooked and went to his house and killed the rest of his family and his goats. Now people say the bridge is haunted by Oscar or some sort of inhuman demon that's out for vengeance. We drove from Capel to Corinth, which wasn't a long drive, only about 20 minutes. The entire way there, I was excited and a bit reminiscent. I used to live in Corinth when I was a child and my house was only a minute or two away from Goatman's Bridge. When we arrived, it was already dark. The only light came from the moon and that wasn't much. We hopped out of our vehicle and headed towards the bridge. The bridge had been retired for years now and is surrounded by woods on all sides. We finally got to the bridge and we stopped and sat for a little bit, but we eventually got bored and decided to walk the trails in the surrounding forest, which was also said to be haunted. About 15 minutes into walking, James suddenly stops and he says, do you hear that? Dave and I paused our conversation and we listened with him, but we didn't hear a thing. I told him, Bro, I didn't hear anything. You must be imagining things. He replied, well, that's just it. There's not a single sound. As soon as he said that, I realized how right he was. It was almost as if someone pressed the mute button on the forest. I had this gut feeling that we needed to get the hell out of there. 
I told them that I thought we should turn around right now. But James and Dave whined and said that we're already out here and we should just go a little further. I didn't really have a choice. My phone was low on battery and James had the only flashlight. I was not about to walk back through these woods alone in the dark. After taking maybe only three or four steps, I felt a sudden and cold breeze on my neck. I turned around, but saw nothing. I brushed it off as the wind and my spiked paranoia, but I couldn't shake the fact that that wind on my neck felt like someone's cold breath. After walking a few more minutes, we came to this partial clearing in the woods. There was a structure of some sorts a little ways out. It looked to be about the size of a shed or a small porta potty. We all stopped and looked out at it, trying to focus and see just what it was. And then in the trees behind us, we heard what only can be described as footsteps. Well, not footsteps per se. To take a chance at sounding insane, it sounded more like cloven hooves, to be honest. The steps didn't have that second beat like a person's foot would have. Each step was one loud and solid thump. It sounded like a horse or goat was nearby, but it didn't sound right. I almost had a heart attack when I heard this. We spun around as quick as possible. I was frantically scanning the woods to see what made this noise, but now the sound had stopped and the only sound that remained was our breathing. We all collectively agreed none of us were having fun anymore and we needed to leave. But literally, right as we turned around to walk back down the trail, we heard knocking coming from that building. And I mean, it sounded exactly like someone was knocking on a door. The building was a good 50 meters away from us. The noise seemed almost a little too loud for how far away it was, if that makes sense. But that was all it took. We booked it back all the way through the trail. As we were almost back to the bridge, I heard a sound that was more clear than anything. It was the sound of something stamping its foot and then a huff of breath as if some unseen creature was about to charge at us. We were out of breath when we finally made it back to the bridge. It took a few minutes, but we were all talking and trying to make light of the creepy situation. Dave and I both shakily lit a cigarette to calm our nerves. We just sat there on the bridge about ready to go home. Then James says in a loud voice, Oscar, if you're here, we're sorry. We didn't mean to make you mad or anything. Before he could finish, we heard a giant branch snap and splash into the river below the bridge. We all simultaneously cussed, then Reggie bushed it back to our car. All of us got out of there as fast as possible. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. 
Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Number 3. The Goatman Submitted by Jeff When I was younger, me and my sibling were home alone one day. Our parents often stayed out really late getting drunk, so we were often alone at home. We would often sleep in the living room, and when I was that young, I would leave the front door open for my mom and dad to come through whenever they were ready. You see, I didn't know any better. I just didn't want my mom or dad to get hurt fumbling for keys, or to not be able to get inside and get angry about it. It was just easier and seemed like a good idea to leave the front door unlocked for when they finally got back. And yes, the front door is right there in the living room, so we're all sleeping on various couches and sofas when suddenly the oldest of all of us shoves me awake. When I open my sleepy and tired eyes, I see that her face was ghostly white. When I asked what was wrong, she said look at the doorknob. Still very tired, having trouble just lifting myself up, I looked over at the doorknob and sure enough, it was turning as if someone was trying to open it. My sister immediately ran over and locked the door. I was confused. It was certainly mom or dad trying to come back inside. I asked, why did you lock it? But she simply shushed me. Then she went to grab a baseball bat from our room. I was still confused until I heard a voice on the other side of the door. Jenny, Aaron, open the door for your dear mother. It kind of sounded like my mom's voice, but much more raspy and inhuman. I'm her child. It didn't take me three seconds to realize that what was on the other side of that door was not my mother. And the way it had two tracks to its voice, that told me that this wasn't a person at all. This thing trying to copy my mother's voice, it gave me goosebumps all over my body. I began to cry, and my sister began to pray to God for that thing to leave. And eventually, the doorknob stopped turning, and the thing walked away. Later on that night, our parents finally came home, the real ones, so we told them what we heard and saw. Our dad went outside with his shotgun, and he said he didn't see a thing. So we went back to bed, albeit we didn't get much sleep. Two weeks later, we were outside playing hide and seek in the woods 
with our younger sibling who was 12. It began getting very dark, so we started on the two mile walk back home. At one point, I suddenly hear behind me, Jenny, Aaron, open the door for your dear mother. The very same words spoke in the same way from that night two weeks ago. The thing that had tried to get into us, it was here with us now, and this time, there was no door separating us from it. Instantly, we all turned, and we saw a picture that we'll never forget. My mouth opened wide with disbelief. It was not a person. It had legs like a goat, with the upper body of a man, but it had a goat's head with very large horns. Then a putrid smell hit our noses, a smell that smelled like rotting. Our instincts kicked in, the instincts that told us that we were being hunted. So we turned and ran as fast as we could back home. I didn't look back once because I'd never been that scared before. When we made it home, we flung the door open quickly and ran inside, locking it behind us. Our father was in the kitchen and we told him again what we saw. He set us down and now that we saw it, he said it was time for him to admit the truth. Those two weeks ago, when he walked outside with the shotgun, he said he saw it standing in the tree line, standing on two legs. He said he couldn't tell us because one, he didn't want us to be scared. And two, he was so afraid that he couldn't even lift up his gun to take aim. He told us to never go back into those woods. Number four, Goatman in my basement, submitted by Jack. One night, I thought I was alone in my house, just watching some TV. I suddenly heard a noise down from my basement. This has happened before, and I assumed that something had just fallen down, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. I sat there feeling safe in my home, assuming that all my doors were locked and that nothing could get into me. But soon I heard the noise again. I told myself once more, nothing is down there. I'm just paranoid. I continued watching the TV when of course I heard it once more. So I walked downstairs to get to the basement. As I opened the door, I heard something from the kitchen. Someone was in my house. I called my friend. He said he'd be over in 10 minutes. So I went to my room and I waited with the door locked. I could have sworn that the whole place was locked up. Then how would the kitchen door be able to open? Over the next five minutes, I heard a lot of noises in my house and I called out, who's there? But nobody would answer. I opened my door very slowly peeking down the hallway before I exited. I leaned over at the top of the stairs and peeked down. I looked towards the basement, and then I heard a loud scream. I was paralyzed. It was coming from within my house, and it didn't sound like a person. It sounded like some sort of distressed animal. I continued to watch towards the basement when I saw it. I made eye contact with this horrible creature. It was an animal unlike anything I've ever seen. 
It nearly resembled a goat, almost, but the thing was standing up on its back two hooves as if it were a person. I was horrified. I then heard the front door opening. My friend was here and right away, I imagined what horrible things would happen to him if he walked in and was blindsided by this goat man thing. So I choked down my fear and I did what I had to do. I jumped to the floor and ran right to the front door. I opened it and my friend saw my face. He asked why I looked like I saw a ghost, but I pulled him further outside and shut my door. I told him exactly what I saw, no matter how crazy it may have sounded. And then I ran. My buddy, unable to ask a question about what I had just said, he took off with me. I don't think he believed me and I don't blame him. We ran to his vehicle, got inside and locked the doors. He looks at me a bit irritated and says, man, stop joking, what's going on? But I just repeated what I told him, that there was someone in my house and that I saw something like a goat and a man mixed. He was frowning now and I think he was starting to realize that I wasn't lying. I dialed 911 and we waited in the car for the rest of the night. Even after the cops showed up and didn't find anything but the back door wide open. Of course, I didn't tell the cops what I saw. I had simply told them that someone broke in while I was home, but it scares me knowing that they didn't find it because that just means it's still out there. Where I live, I'm surrounded by woods and it irks me to know it could be hiding anywhere behind any tree at any time, waiting for me to leave a door unlocked. But why did it head down to the basement did it smell something it liked, or was it seeking a better spot to jump out at me? It's an experience like this that makes you think of all those stories differently. Honestly, I was that guy that made fun of people who admitted to seeing things that didn't make any sense. Like, you saw the dog man, whatever. You saw a ghost? Well, what were you smoking? But now, I feel very guilty about that. It really makes you a bit humble when something inhuman breaks into your house. And number five, Goatman's Bridge Encounter, submitted by Tiffany B. There's a ghost story a friend of mine told me about a place called Goatman's Bridge. The long and short of the story is way back when there was a goat farmer who had a wife and children, but due to him being black and his wife white, the locals didn't take too kindly to their family. Of course, there were a lot of racial issues at the time. They lived a normal life, a happy life. They didn't bother anyone, but one night they were taken out to the bridge by the angry farmers nearby and they were hung. The man was forced to watch as his beloved wife and children were murdered before being hung himself. They say he didn't die right away. Those who had hung them made sure the noose was tied in such a way that the death was slow and painful. Being a huge paranormal fan, me along with a couple of my friends had decided to go check the place out. It's said that at night, if you go and stand on this bridge, one of many things may happen. 
You could hear the rope swaying with the body clearly still attached to it. You might see him hanging off the bridge. I've heard of people hearing voices, others having to urge themselves to jump off into the river below. And on a few occasions, I've heard of people seeing goat tracks in the nearby woods. Some people have even been followed as something stomped after them, as whatever it is, huffs angrily as it pursues them. The bridge itself was near a wooded area. Naturally, of course, these things seem to always happen near a wooded or abandoned place, and it's a good ways above a river with fallen trees and rocks scattered about in the dark water. The bridge has graffiti on it, clearly showing others that had been there before. Others who thought it would be a good idea to leave their mark on the place where a family had been murdered. Someone even drew a Ouija board in pink chalk, for goodness sake. It was around early morning when we arrived. We saw a few other cars parked nearby, one empty and the other with an adult and their small dog. Getting out, we all made our ways down the path to get to the bridge, chatting as we shone our flashlights on the ground in front of us so that we didn't trip over anything and get hurt. Now I'm no idiot. Someone foolish or insane enough to go hunt for the paranormal, yes, but an idiot, no. I had a pocket knife in hand, just in case. You never know what could go wrong on something like this. One of the friends with me had pepper spray. We weren't about to get caught in a situation that we didn't want to be in without a way to defend ourselves and get away. Getting up on the bridge, it seemed colder than the rest of the area we'd been. My friends began to try and talk to the spirits that may be there, the spirits of those who had been wrongfully killed on the bridge, while I walked off to be on my own. Why I did that, I'm still not sure. I zoned out and I stopped in one spot. I looked out over the bridge with the oddest urge to jump off, but I didn't. The feeling continued the entire time we were there on the bridge. Looking at the water below, there was a splash, but once we went to see what it was, it turned out to be nothing more than a fish with a great sense of timing. Going back to stand, I tuned out the other's whispering voices as I thought I'd just heard something. Now at first, I was sure it was just some trees swaying in the wind, or it could have been the old bridge with the weight of six people on it. It was run down after all, but still should be safe to be on. But soon I realized neither of those things were right. Looking down once more, I was sure this sound was coming from where there wasn't anything there. Well, nothing I could see with my eyes, but I knew something there was making the sound. Me and my friends have always been more in tune with the paranormal and have had many other experiences, so we know these things can be real. I know I wasn't imagining anything. I heard the sound of something laughing. Now, I didn't say anything at the time, seeing as how I was still trying to process what it was. I mean, we believe in these things, but we always try first to rationalize what we see and hear, way before assuming it's paranormal. One of our friends wanted to explore the woods nearby. Being a horror fan, I first thought, that's how you get stabbed. But eventually, after some talking, half the group had decided to stay where they were on the bridge, while me and the other two began to walk into the woods. I know this is something that could easily have gotten us killed, but I was curious more than anything, and I wanted something more to happen. 
depending on what it was that might have been in those woods, I regret my choice. After only a few steps into the trees, someone or something screamed, not scared or in pain, but like they were talking with friends and being far too loud for the secluded area we were in, and it was clear they were drunk. Pausing for a moment, we heard more people, all men if I remember correctly, laughing and chatting with one another, though I couldn't understand what they were saying. My blood ran cold at the realization there were others out there that sounded like they were leaving. And the way we went through is the only way in or out of those woods. The only guy in our group, for some reason or another, yelled back at them, not angry, but almost like he was joining in on the fun, and he got a response. Listening closer, we soon realized that whomever or whatever those voices belonged to was now running towards us, and I swear, we heard the sound of hooves and huffing. We immediately decided it was time we bolted out of those woods and back over the bridge. Once there, one of our friends and my best friend asked what was going on, and I said only one word, run. We sprinted back to the car and got in, not about to be mugged or attacked by whoever was out there, or whatever it was. Those footsteps sounded more animalistic than anything, and at one point, I thought I saw yellow eyes shimmering in the distance. We laughed nervously to ourselves as we made our getaway. As we were driving home, after about 10 minutes into the drive when everyone was calm again, I piped up about what I'd heard, and it turns out the others heard it too. All of us heard those disembodied voices, voices that spoke loud and clear, yet none of us could understand what they were saying. And apparently, I wasn't the only one that heard that huffing and saw those yellow eyes. There was something out there that had hooves, and I now know that calling it Goatman's Bridge means more than one thing. I'm sure glad that I didn't stick around to find out what was sprinting towards us. What is the goat man? What does he want? He seems to be some sort of freak of nature, some sort of trickster that wants to mess with humans and sometimes even hurt them. Watch your back when you're in the woods. That goat you just saw eating grass might just be walking on two legs behind you the next second. What can you do when that thing is inches away from your throat? Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your Alaskan scary stories soon at deathbyfear.com. Also, a huge thanks goes out to my newest patrons. They are Dan McWilliams, Dylan, and Josue Herrera. Thank you all so much for giving what you can to support this channel. I'm doing everything I can to return the favor. Enjoy these stories, and I can promise you, there are many more where that came from.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 